Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pecan, blogtalkradio.com slash pecan. Send messages to the show on Twitter at Go For It Game. Why are you there at Go For It Game? G O F O R I T G A N T. Give me a follow at Go For It Game. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by Jets corner Darren Walls, and Darren's going to talk about the Jets and their season. Tough season for the Jets, and they got a upcoming game against the Dolphins. Played the Patriots very tough, and a couple plays away from actually beating the Patriots. But we're going to talk to Darren about that. Also, Hall of Famer Willie Rowe will join us. Get his take on all things NFL. Get his take on the Saints. How about the Saints? How disappointing was that? I mean, they, they had the Atlanta Falcons, controlled their own destiny, an opportunity to get, well, ultimately win this game and ultimately get to the playoffs and ultimately win their division and get a home playoff game. I mean, they had that opportunity. They had that opportunity, and they squandered it. We're going to get a former Saints take on Willie Rofe. Tell us what he thinks about the Saints and what happened there, because that was not too good. Also, we're gonna as we go throughout the course of the show, we're gonna talk NFL playoff possibilities, AFC, NFC. Also, gonna get my take on a bunch of different things. Jameis Winston, he's out of woods in terms of that. What the situation with his uh, with the hearing and, and with Florida State, he's out of the woods there. Peyton Manning, what's going on there with him? I mean, he was an interception machine. He's been an interception machine over the past few weeks, a turnover machine the past few weeks. Also talk about the Eagles and the Saints. What happened? Two teams that many thought would have a shot at the Super Bowl will be sitting at home for the playoffs. And also Josh Smith. Can you believe it? What happened to Josh Smith and where Josh Smith may go and what would be the best spot for Josh Smith? But let's start now with the NFL and the playoff possibilities, man. And, you know, as we go through and look at the possibilities, pretty much in the NFC, it's set, pretty much set. I mean, you have in the NFC, and we'll start there, Seattle, Dallas, Arizona, and either Carolina or Atlanta. So Seattle, Dallas, Arizona, either Carolina or Atlanta, Green Bay and Detroit. Okay. So six of the seven teams are taken care of for the most part. And 
All we need now at this point is to figure out who's going to win the NFC South, and that's going to eliminate Carolina or Atlanta, and who's going to win the NFC North, and that's going to turn either Detroit or Green Bay into a wild card team. So hypothetically speaking, hypothetically speaking, let's just say Seattle wins, Detroit wins, Dallas wins, Carolina wins for the sake of argument, Arizona and Green Bay. All let's say Green Bay loses to Detroit, Arizona wins, but Seattle wins, therefore Seattle gets a wild card. Just say that happens. Well, Seattle gets the number one seed, Detroit would get two, Dallas three, Carolina four, Arizona and Green Bay at five and six. Hypothetically speaking, let's just say Green Bay wins. Let's just say hypothetically Green Bay beats Detroit. Well, Detroit and Green Bay would pretty much would, would flip-flop. And, and Green Bay would be the second seed and Detroit would be the sixth seed. Hypothetically speaking, Seattle loses, Arizona wins. Well, Arizona gets that number one seed, okay, and Seattle goes to the fifth seed. Complicated? You're confused? Hope not. Hypothetically speaking, hypothetically speaking, let's just say Detroit wins, let's say Dallas wins, and let's just say, for the sake of argument, that uh, Seattle loses and Arizona loses. Well, Detroit will get the number one seed. Dallas gets two, Seattle three, Carolina four, Orlando, Arizona at five, and Green Bay at six. Here's the most likely scenario. We can go down all these scenarios, a few more scenarios, and we can go down and we could talk about them for days. But here's the likely scenario. Seattle will probably win. I think Green Bay wins. They'll get the number two. Dallas will end up at three. Carolina or Atlanta, we'll figure that out as we go along. Arizona will win, but Seattle's going to win, so it's irrelevant. They're going to get five, and I think Detroit's going to get six. That's the way I think it's going to play. I don't see Detroit going into Lambeau and beating the Green Bay Packers. Not impossible, obviously, but I don't see it happening. Um, in, in terms of the uh, <clears throat> Dallas Cowboys, I mean, they're pretty much locked into that third seed and, and unless a few things happen, crazy things happen. They're pretty much locked into that third seed. And Arizona, you know, they can get they can be anywhere from one, possibly two, to five. More than likely they'll be at five. And also you know, you look at Green Bay or Detroit, and I think it's going to be Detroit who's going to be at six. So, I mean, it's going to be uh, interesting, but I think that's the way it's going to play out. In the AFC, New England's already at the number one seed. That's taken care of. That's done. Denver, if they win, gets the number two seed. Cincinnati or Pittsburgh, whoever wins that will that, get the third seed. Indy is locked in at four. And it's, the sixth seed is pretty much the thing. Well, San Diego controls their own destiny, but if they lose, Baltimore could sneak in. Uh, there are some scenarios where Houston could sneak in, some scenarios where KC could sneak in. But more than likely, it's either going to be San Diego or Baltimore. That's going to get that number six seed in the AFC. New England's going to get one. Denver, I believe, wins, and they'll sew up the number two seed. Cincinnati or Pittsburgh, again, they'll get the third seed. And Indianapolis, again, is locked in at number four. Locked in at four. So, I mean, it's going to be compelling. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be a fun thing to watch. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, you know, anytime it comes down to the last week of the season, anytime you have those uh, must-win games such as, you know, Green Bay, Detroit, win win and you win the division, Pittsburgh, uh, Cincinnati, win and you win the division, anytime you have those type of matchups, it's always exciting, always good for the game, and always makes for a compelling watch. 
always makes for compelling football pretty much. So uh, that should be interesting, and I'm interested to see how this thing all plays out. But uh, as we look at it, there is a lot of interesting football to be played. And as we go into these playoffs, I think what we saw, what we're seeing out of the Seattle Seahawks, you have to say that they are the favorite to at least get out of the NFC and possibly repeat. They are the favorite. I mean, they're they're playing now at a very good level. They're getting beast mode and doing his crazy things and, 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 and doing some beautiful things. And, you know, beast mode, I mean, how about that 79-yard run? I mean, he doesn't like to talk to anybody. But that 79-yard run was re- absolutely ridiculous. And he just threw people away. Typical beast mode, that's what beast mode does. He don't talk, but he sure, sure uh, runs and, and, and sure – you know, he runs with purpose, and he's all about action. More action, less talk when it comes to Marshawn Lynch, beast mode. But he was a beast mode was in full effect on Sunday Night Football against the Arizona Cardinals, in full effect. And, you know, Arizona Cardinals, Ryan Lindley, the starter, not too good, not too good at all. But it expected. I mean, come on. You're talking about a Seattle team, a Seattle defense right now that's playing at a pretty high level. They're playing at a high level, a very high level. And and they are playing like the best team in football, pretty much picking up where they left off a year ago. I mean, they're playing that way. I mean, Seattle is getting it done. They're getting it done. Now the question is, you know, if they get home field advantage – I'm not saying it's a done deal because we saw Dallas go in there and beat Seattle this season. So it's not – I mean, Green Bay, they beat Green Bay, but I could I could see Green Bay going into uh, Seattle and, and, and giving Seattle a game, possibly beating Seattle, especially with Aaron Rodgers. You always have a, a chance at the possibilities. The possibilities are always good when you have Aaron Rodgers as your starting quarterback. So I can see it possible. But I, the way Seattle's playing on both sides of the ball, that defense is picking it up. That defense is shutting people down. That defense is it's just locking teams down at this point. They're locking teams down. And, I'm, and Arizona wasn't much of a test for that defense, but they're locking teams down. I mean, you know, the pass from week 12 till now, and then this is when they started their five-game win streak, hold Arizona to three, hold San Francisco to three, hold Philly to 14, hold San Francisco to seven, and then hold Arizona to six. So that's the type of football they've been playing over these past six weeks on the defensive side of the ball. No team has scored more than 14 points in the past five wins for the Seahawks. No team. So this defense is picking it up. This defense is that Legion of Boom and that secondary that, you know, Richard Sherman and those boys, you know, Bobby Wagner and the linebacking crew, they're getting it done. And you look at Seattle. And more than likely, they're going to be the number one seed. More than likely, if they are the number one seed, they're probably going to the Super Bowl. They're probably going to the Super Bowl. You look at Russell Wilson. I mean, 842 yards rushing, 3,000 yards passing, 32-36. There's always a possibility. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility that Russell Wilson could Get a thousand yards. I mean, he would need 158 yards to do it. But the way he's been running the football, it's not out of the realm of possibility. But he had a 55 yarder last week, 55 yard run. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that if they continue 
this way, that they, that they could actually, actually, if they continue this way, it's not a realm, out of realm of possibility that Russell Wilson could get 1,000 yards. When we come back, we're going to bring in a guy now uh, from the New York Jets. Darren Walls will be joining us. He's going to talk to us about the Jets. Jets, tough game against the New England Patriots. Almost beat the Patriots, but we're going to talk to Darren about that. You listen to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It. Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, (laughs) too, man. (laughs) Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that, you know, we know that you can marry women. We've seen you you have a pedigree. (laughs) We've seen what you can do. We've seen it. (laughs) I would never bring my wife around you. I yeah, just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's early. <laughs> That's not Roxy. <laughs> That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're Thanks. very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> so- okay. Hey, what up? It's Corey Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! And we're back. And we're back. Go For It here on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, We're about to bring in a guy now, Darren Waltz of the New York Jets. Jets, tough defeat last week to the New England Patriots. As you're watching that game, you know, you thought maybe the Jets would pull it out. They played well throughout the course of the game. Uh, Geno Smith takes an unfortunate sack, forces Nick Falk to take a longer field goal. Ultimately, the field goal falls short. It was actually deflected by Vince Warfolk, and ultimately it fell short, and ultimately the New York Jets will lose to the New England Patriots. But we're going to bring in a guy now who's a part of that game, corner for the New York Jets, Darren Walls. Darren. Hey, how you doing? How are you, man? I'm doing good. I can't complain about yourself. Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Now, Darren, as we know in the NFL, there are no moral victories. But you guys played uh, one of the best teams in football, the New England Patriots, and almost won. What do you guys take from that performance? Um, you know, I think, like you said, they're probably one of the hottest teams right now, and um, for the second straight game, I think the first game we lost by two against them, and this past game was a one-point game. But um, I think other than, um, you know, I think that was our best game defensively we had all year. And I think, you know, it's just uh, it's just a point to prove that, you know, we can play with some of the good teams in the league. And I think most of the games that we lost this year have been pretty close games. But playing against Tom Brady in that offense, I think holding those guys to 17 points and – um, Tom Brady to the pass rating he had and the yards that he had, I think anybody would take those in the day. For sure. And, and these type of games, you know, like you said, lost two points, two-point game uh, loss to the Patriots in New England. This game you lost by one to the Patriots. Also in Green Bay, I mean, another game that you guys easily could have won. Do you take from those games that you guys are, are pretty close to being a, a better team, if not a playoff team? Most definitely. I think, like I said, those games that we've lost, it's been, you know, seven or less points. I think six 
or seven or eight of those games has been pretty close. And I think, you know, that, that just shows how close we can be to winning nine, ten, eleven, twelve games a season and putting us in the playoff run. And, um, you know, I think it will come together for us. You know, this season obviously didn't, we didn't get it done, but um, there's always a future, and I think we can only build on from what we've um, you know, played on, played a part of this past game, and then hopefully we carry that into Miami this week. Let me ask you this. You guys had success against Tom Brady this week. As we said, you picked him off once. You held him under 200 yards and 182 yards to be exact. What made you guys so effective against Tom Brady? What was the secret? I mean, I think for us, just on the defensive end, we wanted to try to create as much confusion in this hit as possible. He's a very smart quarterback. And he knows where to go with the football when he sees certain coverages. So for us, we just try to give him different looks, play different um, techniques, and try to confuse him a little bit. And I think um, if you watched over the past, I don't know, ten weeks, I think we've played Tom Brady and the Patriots better than anybody um, has so far this year. For sure, we're talking to Jets corner Darren Walls. And Darren, many felt that this last home game was the last home game. For Rex Ryan, did, did you think that he really wanted this victory? Since there are rumors swirling around that possibly this could be, or last week could have been his last home game. Um, well, with New England, it's always we always want to beat New England. I think that's our the division rival, and you know, um, we always go out and get a win. And I think that's our goal every week is just to win every game. Um, and we didn't get that done, but we wanted to win for Rex. We wanted to win for this organization to show that we still have pride in what we do and pride in our coaching staff um, and, I mean, pride in our time. I think we put a lot of time in to go out there and be successful on Sunday, whether it's Rex's last home game or not. I think, you know, our our job is to go out there and win and compete and be the best we can be and, you know, prove that we have a team that can play out there. Um, But, yeah, I think, I mean, every week is that way regardless of the situation we're in. Now, Geno Smith said that sometimes change can be good in talking about Rex Ryan. What's your thoughts on the future of Rex Ryan? Do you expect him to be back next season? Well, I hope so. I think Rex is a great coach. I think he's given me a plenty of opportunities to be the player that I am today. Um, I think his defense is one of the best in the league, and um, he's always had a good defensive team. So um, that's his main focus. I mean, obviously he's the head coach, but he's the defensive coordinator at the same time, and he always puts a good defense on the field. I mean, we didn't put up the numbers that we normally did in the secondary, but we're still ranked pretty high um, with total overall defense. And Rex is a great person and a great coach. And, you know, I wish, I mean, he'd be coaching me the rest of my career. Now, there's been a lot of talk outside of your locker room when it, when it comes to Jets about you guys will be better off losing games because, you know, you can get a better draft pick. When you hear mm-hmm. that type of talk, how do you respond to something like that? Um, the good thing for me is that I don't watch too much TV or I don't listen too much radio or all that stuff or give the Internet, but – um, for us, um, you know, we, we put too much time and too much effort and too much work into go out there and say, okay, we, we a loss would be good or whatever. But, you know, I don't really pay attention much to it. Um, like I said, my time and energy is spent, um, you know, preparing and um, getting ready for the next opponent. And no one wants to go out there and lose. So um, I don't know what the organization has in mind. But for us, you know, we're going out there to win regardless of what, what situation we're in. We're talking to Jets corner, Darren Walls. And, Darren, let me ask you this. If I would have told you at the beginning of the season that at the end of week 16 the Jets would only have three victories, what would you have told me? I would have told you it was crazy. <laughs> I mean, going into training camp, we had a pretty good team. I think we had um, 
you know, all of a lot of our positions um, solidified and being some of the best in the league. And I think with the addition of Percy Harvin um, over uh, the past couple of months, I think that just added another dimension to our offense. But I think if you look at our, our team and during preseason and during training camp, you say, okay, this team, you know, could be a playoff team this year. And I think that was our mindset and that was our goal um, with injuries and things like that in the secondary and um, just the ball not bouncing away at certain times of the season. Um, you know, it's unfortunate, but I definitely didn't expect this and, um, I thought we would definitely be a contender for the playoff spot. Where do you think it went wrong? Is, is there a particular game that changed the course of this season? Is there a particular injury? Where did it go wrong? Um, you know, I really, I really can't pinpoint um, where it went wrong. I just think if you look at games individually, we're just so close. There's just three or four plays every game. If you say, if we would have did this or I could have done that, we probably would have won this game and. I mean, that's just how it is in the NFL. I mean, there's just really that much of a, 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 a error that, you know, it's only a small window that you get the opportunity to win games and you've got to perform at those moments to win those games. I think, like you said, New England twice, and uh, we did a good job with Peyton Manning this year. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we had a lot of tough uh, tough games, but we were still in most of those games that we could have won. But, I mean, it could have would have, should have, but at the end of the day, we didn't get it done, and we are where we are because of because of that. Well, I, I, and I'm not, uh, my next question, I'm, I'm not asking you to bash anybody here, bash Geno Smith or anybody here, but let me ask you this. Michael Vick said if he would have been the starter throughout the course of the season, maybe things would have been different. Do you think that was the case or could have been the case? Um, I'm not too sure. I, I mean, I like both quarterbacks, and I right. think um, – I'm really not sure. I think whatever works best for our offense and whatever best give us that chance of winning is what I would say. Um, I'm not sure who that is, but I think, you know, our coaches, you know, made the decisions they made prior to us, prior to them thinking that this quarterback gives us the best chance of winning. So that's what I think I can go off of. Um, You know, I, I practice against those guys, and they're both really good. Um, I think Geno's on his way um, to being a really good quarterback. But Michael Vixen is an established guy in the in league and at one point was considered one of the best. Um, so you can never go wrong with that. But it's, it's, it's what the coaching staff won and what they feel like is sure. gives us the best chance of winning, and I, I can only agree with that. And as a whole, do you be, you feel like the team still believes in Geno Smith? And you said you feel like he still can be a good quarterback. But as a team, do you feel like that's the case, the team believes in him? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, we go out there every day and we see the progress that he's made. We see the, the leadership and, uh, you know, everything that Gino has taken upon. I think Michael Vick has done a great job of mentoring him through these rocky steps, um, you know, because as a young quarterback, it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to, sure. you know, um, lose faith and lose confidence. But I think as an athlete, we've all been there and we all had someone behind us saying, you know what, you can do this. You're good enough to do this and you're good enough to do that. And I think it's only helped. Um, that, you know, Michael Vick was here this year to help him do that. I mean, for me, I've had guys like Brent Grimes and Dante Robinson and Asante Samuel say, you know what, you can be a good corner in this league. Just keep doing what you're doing. Keep listening to your coaches and keep perfecting your craft, and you you will someday be, you know, that guy you want to be. So I think it's a good thing that Michael Vick has been here. We're talking to Jets corner, Darren Walls. And, Darren, let me ask you this. Let's talk about you now. I mean, you had a career high in interceptions with two. You missed some time time with injuries, but again, you had a career high in interceptions with two. Um, let me ask you this. As a whole, how would you assess your 2014 season? 
Um, I think it's been up and down for me. I think the main thing I wanted to do this year was play more consistent, be more consistently good. And I've had my ups and downs where I've, you know, didn't look so good or I look like I could be a starter in the NFL and be someday a pro bowler, you know. And that's my goal. My goal is just to be that guy who my a team can can depend on me regardless of the situation. Um, you know, consistency builds that. It builds trust in your coaching staff. It builds trust in yourself and also with your teammates. And for me, I feel like I've left plenty of plays out there in the field where I feel like I'm probably going to have eight interceptions this year. So um, I definitely don't think it's where it needs to be. My game needs to be, you know, at a much higher level. But at the same time, I feel like I've made progress and I've made steps in becoming a player that I want to be someday. Now, next this week, I should say, coming up on Sunday, you have the mm-hmm. Miami Dolphins. As you talked about, you guys had a lot of tough losses, and you lost mm-hmm. to the Dolphins a few weeks back in another tough loss. What do you mm-hmm. guys need to do this time around to get revenge? Um, for us, I think it's just playing Jeff football. I think we're a physical team. I think um, we get out to the quarterback on defense, and um, we try to, you know, force turnovers, and that's what we got to do. We didn't do have a good season forcing turnovers this year. You know, I think that's a big key in helping our offense score more points is getting those turnovers. So we just want to get back to playing Jets football, not being physical, getting out to the quarterback and forcing turnovers. If we do that, I think we'd be in good shape uh, to win this game. Now, Darren, Christmas is uh, two days away. I mean, what does mm-hmm. a guy like Darren Wall want? Darren Wall, excuse me, want for Christmas? <laughs> oh man, um, there's really not much I want uh, or want or need it. Uh, I got to see my family. They came up for the the Patriots game, and they was here for a couple of days. And I think it's just spending time with your family and loved ones. Um, being in the NFL, we don't get often, we don't often get a chance to do that because of our schedule. But um, I think for me, that's just you know something that I take pride in is my family and just seeing them and seeing them guys happy. So I got to see them, and I, that's all. That was all I needed. That's cool. That's always a great thing. Anytime you can have family, especially uh, around this holiday season, and. Fortunately oh, yeah. for you, you were able to see your family and, and spend time right. with them. Did they come up for the Steelers game? I know you're from Pittsburgh. Did they come up for the yeah, Steelers game? Yeah, they did. They did. <laughs> they, they went uh, home. Um, yeah, it didn't end too well for them. <laughs> were you were you a Steelers fan growing up as well? I most definitely was. I think uh, being from Pittsburgh, if, if you or anything other than a Pittsburgh fan growing up, and people look at you crazy. But, um, yeah, I definitely was still a fan growing up. For sure, for sure. So that had to be, well, maybe you were torn. I don't know. I don't know, getting that victory over the Steelers a few weeks back. <laughs> Not anything, anything to get a, a victory, I'm cool with that. But maybe <laughs> they later down the line I'd be a Steelers fan again. But until I'm done, I'm a fan of all I'm with. Now, you are on Twitter. Where can fans connect with Darren Walls on Twitter? Uh, yeah, my Twitter name is D Walls, uh, the number two N D D Walls the second, and the same on Instagram D Walls two N D. And that N D, I'm, I'm for sure, is for Notre Dame. Yeah, it got a double meaning. I'm Darren Walls the second, and I'm okay. Darren Walls two, uh, <laughs> number two at Notre Dame. So it's got a couple meanings. <laughs> two birds with one stone. That's always a good thing. Yeah, Darren. Appreciate you stopping by, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck against the Dolphins. And have a happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year's, and all that good stuff. Take care. Uh, thanks. Same to you, and uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. No problem. Let's do it again. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Darren Walls, corner for the New York Jets.
pleasure talking to Darren Walls and getting his take on the New York Jets. A tough season, definitely a tough season for the New York Jets. Actually had the Jets making the playoffs when the season started. Um, you know, I, I, I thought maybe they were, you know, defensively they were good last year. They were they were pretty good defensively last season. Had some struggles, um, you know, had some struggles in terms of, uh, you know, the secondary, had some struggles stopping people. But last season, you know, they were able to get up to the quarterback pretty good. And, and the Jets, you know, obviously this is probably going to be the final season for Rex Ryan. I cannot see him coming back. I, I cannot see him coming back. And, you know, with that being said, I mean, the Jets obviously going to be looking in a different direction for a coach. They need, I mean, you know, Geno Smith, they, you know, Darren said he made some strides and has played decently, has gotten better throughout the course of the season. But I still think they need to address that quarterback position. They don't have a quarterback as far as I'm concerned. And that's okay. Because, well, it's not okay. But there may be an opportunity for a guy like a Jameis Winston. Who knows? I mean, just based off them, let's look at the standings real quick. Uh, just based off the standings, I mean, they're at the bottom. Jets are three games. Tennessee has won two games, so they're ahead of the Jets. Tampa Bay is ahead of the Jets, so Tampa Bay, Tennessee, both are ahead of the Jets. Um, the Raiders and the Jets right there are both at 3-12. and 12. Raiders have a quarterback. So when it's all said and done, the Jets will probably be at four. They'll probably be at four. So at four, you figure, and Jacksonville three and twelve as well. But they don't need a quarterback. They're, they'll be at four or five. So there's always a possibility at that particular spot to get themselves maybe possibly a Jameis Winston or Marcos Marcus Mariota, excuse me, depending on where Mariota may go. Now I don't know where Mariota's going to go. You know, maybe Mariota goes. Hot, goes number one to either Tampa Bay or, or Tennessee. Both of them, those teams need quarterbacks. And you wonder if Tennessee, you know, Tennessee probably, they need a quarterback as well. So if if they like Winston, he's probably not going to get past two. So the Jets may not be in position to get a quarterback. They may not be in position to get a quarterback. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But appreciate Darren Wall stopping by and, you know, the Jets, you know, Rex Ryan, uh, a guy who had some success with the Jets, but at the end of the day, their offense never got to where it needed to be. You know, their quarterback play wasn't great when it comes to Mark Sanchez, but it was ground and pound, and the, the Jets were able to to mask some of his, his weaknesses, some of his deficiencies. Because, And as we've seen with Mark Sanchez this past week with the Philadelphia Eagles and during his time with the Philadelphia Eagles, not only with the Jets, but I'm talking about with the Eagles, he does have deficiencies. He he does have some deficiencies, and, and that's just the reality of the situation when it comes to Mark Sanchez. He, he's going to make some big mistakes from time to time. He's going to do it. He has done it. And, you know, he has done it. Definitely has done it. So Mark Sanchez has been a turnover machine throughout the course of his career, and basically based off the amount of games he's played with the Eagles, you could argue that he's continued his turnover machine ways with the Philadelphia Eagles in limited time, obviously. But he's continued his turnover machine weight. And so, you know, Mark Sanchez is who he is. And, you know, I think we've seen 
based off his time with the Philadelphia Eagles, that he is what he is. I mean, Mark Sanchez, thus far this season, thus far this season, in the games he started, started uh, seven games with the Eagles, seven games with the Eagles. And in those seven games, started seven, played an eight. In those games, 10 touchdowns, I mean, excuse me, 12 touchdowns, but 10 interceptions. So, and that's based on two, four, six, eight games. So you, you what, prorate that out over a course of a season, that's 24 and 20. 24 touchdowns, 20 interceptions. Not very good. Not very good. So Mark Sanchez is who he is, and that's a perfect segue into the Philadelphia Eagles and what happened with them this past week. Eagles and Saints. Let's start with the Philadelphia Eagles, obviously. This is a team now coming into the season – a lot of people had the Philadelphia Eagles going to the Super Bowl. A lot of people picked the Eagles to go to the Super Bowl. I was not one of them. I had the Eagles actually going home. I had the Eagles not making the playoffs, not going home, not even going to the dance. And so I was not – well, after being 9-3 and three and beating the Cowboys, I mean, I didn't necessarily think they were going to win the division, but I did expect them possibly to get into the wild – as a wild – get into the playoffs as a wild card. But I, I look at this Eagle team, and – you know, you look at this Eagle team, and they made a decision in the offseason. They decided that they didn't want Deshaun Jackson, and they released him and got nothing for him. Took a $6 million cap hit. Got nothing for the guy. And could you imagine, I mean, Jeremy Macklin, 1,200 yards, what, 10 touchdowns at this point in the season, he's putting up big-time numbers. Could you imagine Macklin and Jackson in this offense? But, no, you got Macklin and Riley Cooper, who signed a five-year, $25 million deal. I don't understand it, didn't understand it at the time, and don't understand it today. I mean, this is the NFL. There are no choir boys. I mean, look at the Seattle Seahawks, for example. Marshawn, look at all the different personalities in that locker room. Marshawn Lynch, Richard Sherman. I mean, the, the various personalities in that locker room. But one thing I can say about the Seattle Seahawks, from the coach on down, there's swagger. There is so much swagger with the Seattle Seahawks. From the coach on down, Pete Carroll, a lot of swag. Marshawn Lynch, don't like to talk, a lot of swag. Richard Sherman loves to talk, a lot of swag. Russell Wilson, he's got a lot of swagger, but it's more of a quiet swagger. He's got swagger. I mean, that's a team with so much swagger, and I was trying to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles, but I couldn't. I couldn't because I got caught up in talking about the Seahawks and their swagger from the top down. But let's go back to the Philadelphia Eagles. You made a decision in the offseason. As far as I'm concerned, the wide receiver position with Jeremy, would you bring him back, Jeremy Macklin, would have been a strength for this team. But on some level, it became a weakness other than Macklin. And Macklin put up numbers. But Riley Cooper has not been good. He's not been good this year for the Philadelphia Eagles. And there's no getting around that. Riley Cooper has been a disappointment. I know Chip Kelly has defended Riley Cooper, talking about how great of a blocker he is, and you know he's got more receptions than he did a year ago. But Riley Cooper has not been good. Hasn't. Has not been a good quarterback, this big wide, uh, good wide receiver, excuse me, this year for the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, Jeremy Macklin, numbers are, are, are great. They're great. Riley Cooper, not so great. 
You need more out of your number two wide receiver. And they didn't get that from Riley Cooper. 53 catches, 540 yards. He has the third most targets on this team. And he's three behind the, the guy with the second most targets on the team, and that's Jordan Matthews. And Jordan Matthews, conversely, Cooper has 53. Matthews excuse me, has 59 but seven touchdowns. Cooper has three touchdowns, 540 yards. So I, I, I look at those numbers. I'm looking at that no, those numbers, and I'm saying to myself, and, and Riley Cooper, this guy didn't get it done this year for the Philadelphia Eagles. He didn't. He didn't get it done. And the wide receiver position was a strength for this team. It was. Deshaun Jackson, 82, 1,300 yards and nine touchdowns a year ago. It was a strength for the team. It was. But you decided that Deshaun Jackson, uh, you know, you, there was an article coming out, came out, and uh, NJ.com came out on a Friday. 30 minutes later, Deshaun Jackson was cut. You decided that, may, I don't know, maybe you planted some of this information and gave some of this information to that particular reporter. But at that particular time, you decided that Deshaun Jackson had to go. The story drops 30 to 40 minutes later, Deshaun's out the door. You cut him. And you get absolutely positively nothing for 1,300 yards, for 82 catches, for nine touchdowns, for one of the biggest deep threats in the game. You got squat, zero, zilch, nothing for Deshaun Jackson. You can't let that type of production walk out the door without, A, replacing it with somebody better than Riley Cooper, and B, without getting any type of compensation. If you don't get compensation like a draft pick or a player, then you have to get or bring in somebody who can replace Deshaun Jackson, who can put up. I'm not, well, Deshaun Jackson is one of the best wide receivers in football. I'm not saying he's the best. Top 10, top 15, maybe top 20 wide out, but he gets it done. He might be a one-trick pony, but he does that one trick pretty darn well. And he burnt the Philadelphia Eagles twice, Bradley Fletcher twice with the deep ball. That's what he does. I mean, 55 yards, 52 yards. And then in the first game, he had 81-yarder against the Philadelphia Eagles. You can argue that by letting him walk away for nothing and then letting him go I-95 south for two hours to D.C., let him play in your division, you played him twice, and three plays that he made pretty much beat you, helped beat you. The pass interference in the end zone, the 55 and the 52-yarder. Those plays helped beat you. They helped beat you. So the reality is, by letting Deshaun Jackson go, he beat you. Losing him beat you and kept you out of playoffs. I mean, that's part of it. Their secondary was a little subpar. But I'll give their defensive line a lot of credit. They got after the quarterback, second in the NFL in sacks. But they had their offensive line was banged up at points of this season. Nick Foles was a turnover machine. Mark Sanchez was a turnover machine. They turned the football over way too much. And you can't win in this league turning the football over the amount of times the Philadelphia Eagles did in 2014. I mean, combined with their quarterback, 25 touchdowns but 20 interceptions. You can't have that and expect to be successful 
in the National Football League. Your defense isn't good enough for you to, to be successful and get by with all those turnovers. It's just not. Fortunately for them, special teams kicked in and they gave them some points. They scored some points on the defensive side of the ball. And it kept the Eagles season going. And again, they were 9-3. 9-3. But I said, after they were 9-3, and this the three-game stretch that they had in their schedule, where they played Seattle, where they played Dallas twice, they had to go 2-1 in that stretch, during that stretch, if they wanted to make the playoffs. Well, they went 1-2. And, and by going 1-2, and two, they ultimately missed the playoffs. Beat Dallas on Thanksgiving again, 9-3. and three. Everybody was excited, happy. The Eagles were on their way. And then it falls apart against Seattle the following week, and then it falls apart again against the Cowboys. And it just crashed and burned in Washington against the Redskins. The Eagles have some questions. And, and answers they got to they got to make they have to have some answers for some of the questions that is going to be asked about this particular football team. Your quarterback, what are you going to do about that? More than likely, it's going to be Nick Foles again because Mark Sanchez didn't do the job. And Nick Foles, though he was having some problems in terms of turning the football over, he did lead this team to a six and two record. So. You look at Nick Foles, you look at the Philadelphia Eagles, you look at where they're going to draft. The Eagles, unless they're going to give up the farm, and that still might not be enough to try to move up to get a, Mark, to get a Marcus Mariota, the Philadelphia Eagles are still going to have the same question going into 2015. That question is, who will be your quarterback? Do you have a franchise guy on your roster? And as we speak right now, I think the answer is no. You look at the New Orleans Saints, another team, another disappointment, another team that many expected to go to the playoffs. I had the New Orleans Saints not only going to the playoffs, not only winning the NFC South, but I had them going to the Super Bowl. I had them going to the Super Bowl. And, I mean, obviously in the NFC South, you don't need to be a 500 football team to win that division. I mean, it's going to be either Atlanta, who's going to finish the season at 7-9 and nine, if they win, or it's going to be New Orleans, I mean, not New Orleans, Carolina, who's going to finish the season at 7-8-1 if they beat the Atlanta Falcons. And, and so you look at it in terms of that. You look at it in terms of, what the Saints had to do to win the NFC South, and they really did not have to do much. They really didn't. They didn't have to even go 500. They didn't have to go 500 to win that division. Well, they did, basically, because they had to win out. If they would have won out, they would have been 8-8. Eight eight. But theoretically, it's not going to take a team with a winning record to win that division. But the Saints, one thing they've done throughout the past few seasons, is dominate at home. Suspect on the road, but dominant at home. Well, this year, totally different. They were not dominant at home. In fact, they were a sub-500 team at home, lost five times at home. you got to defend your home. And the New Orleans Saints didn't do it. 
and they were bad at home where they're usually good at home this season. Defensively was a strength for the New Orleans Saints last season. This year, defensively, they were bad. 29th against the pass. 29th against the run. They were bad defensively. I expected that defense with a Jerry Spurs there, with a Kenny Vaccaro always there, already there, a Junior Gallette who's already there. I expected those guys, Keenan Allen who's there, I expected those guys to keep that Saints defense going and flowing and playing at a high level. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. And now the Saints are home. They didn't play well at home. They're home. You know why they're home? Because they didn't play well at home. You know why they're home? Because they couldn't meet you or anybody throughout the course of this season. Couldn't do it. You don't do it, you don't have success in this league. And the Saints did not have success in this league. In terms of defense, 31st in defense. Giving up 26 points per game. You can't win. That's 29th in the NFL compared to last year. Look at their points per game in terms of what they gave up. 29, they gave up 26 points per game last season. I mean, this season, excuse me. Last season, conversely, this Saints team gave up 19 points per game. So that's a seven-point difference. 26 points per game this season, the defense gave up. Last season, only 19 points per game, a seven-point difference. That's a lot in the National Football League when teams are very close, where these games are close, where games are three, four, five plays from being different. A play here, a play there, and teams are totally different record-wise. How they're perceived is totally different. But they were fourth in points allowed defensively last season. They're not that in 2014, and it's an issue. It was a problem. You can't expect to be successful in a National Football League giving up darn near 27 points a game, 26.9 points per game. Can't do it. Won't be successful. Can't happen. And so with that being said, the Saints are home. Their defense is one of the reasons they're home. Can't have it. It's their defense. It's the reason they're home. You look at the Saints this season, in terms of points per game, I mean, excuse me, in terms of yards, I mean, one of the best teams in football in terms of yards. Average 416 yards per game. 416 yards per game offensively, they still were a fairly solid football team. Ninth in points per game at 25 per game. So offensively, they were solid. Offensively, they kept their team in football games on the offensive side of the ball. You look at last season, their offense is about the same. 25.9 points per game. That was in 2013. So they're pretty much their offense is pretty much the same. Offense is down seven points, seven, 
tenth of a point. Twenty nine, twenty five point nine in twenty thirteen, twenty five point two in twenty thirteen. At the end of the day, the biggest difference is on the defensive side of the ball, where again, your team that gave up darn near twenty seven points per game this season. Last season, you only gave up 19, seven-point swing. And when you have that type of situation, when you have a situation where your defense is not stopping anybody, the Saints' defense did not stop anybody this season. I mean, they gave up 30 points against the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday. They didn't stop anybody. Their offense is statistically pretty much the same, statistically. Pretty much the same from 2014 to 2013. Pretty much the same. Defensively, that's the big difference. That's the big difference. You can't stop anybody, and you're going to have a hard time getting to a Super Bowl, winning your division, and being successful in this league. But all they had to do pretty much was be 8-8, eight and eight, and they would have made the playoffs and won the NFC South. So, you know, it's just inexcusable, unacceptable, and the Saints obviously going into this off season, you know, they're, they're going to have to get better. They, I think they still have their quarterback in Drew Brees, but you know, defensively, they're going to get have to get better. And you wonder if Rob Ryan's going to be there next season. Let's bring in a guy now who played for the New Orleans Saints for many years, knows a lot about the New York New Orleans Saints Hall of Famer Willie Rove. Willie. What what about the uh, offensively? What about Drew Brees as far as turnovers this year? Are they similar to last year? Let's look at Drew Brees. Let's look at Drew Brees from this season look and numbers. look look at him last season. Let's look at let's look at uh let's look at this season. This season, Drew Brees by the numbers this season: thirty-two touchdowns, fourteen interceptions, ninety-nine point two quarterback rating. Look at last year: thirty-nine touchdowns. 12 interceptions, and 104.7 QB rating. So, so for Drew Brees, it was a little bit of a down year. It was down. I mean, he was a 5,000-year quarterback. It's better than, I don't know what he ranks in quarterbacks. It's better than most quarterbacks. But for it's, sure. it's a down year. And, 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 and how many, it's like a basketball team is down. How many of those uh, statistics were done that's wrong when the team was down by – a touchdown, it's like against Carolina, and they scored a touchdown with, uh, you know, with, with, with a minute left on the clock. For sure. Uh, for sure. I mean, and like you said, I mean, this is a team that had some struggles throughout the course of the season and at, at times have been blown out. So you're right, and has gotten down early. So you're right, they've been forced to throw a lot of times, and, you know, that could, you know, account for some of the offensive and, numbers. And, but and, and, and offensive numbers also – You've had Tawan in and out of the lineup. You've had uh, uh, Pierre Thomas in and out of the lineup. You had Mark Ingram miss some time. Uh, Tawan didn't play last week. So, you you know, you've got to have that continuity. There's no secret to why Dallas is playing so well. They've had – their line has been healthy all year. They're, they're, you know, Romo's been healthy except for he missed one game. Uh, the running back is, had, is about to break English records. Derek Bryan is having – Right now, he's the best receiver in football. So, you know, they've been healthy all year, but you've you got to jam, you got to play together, 
And I think sometimes, you know, Jimmy Graham got the big contract, but, you know, he's been a no-show in, in some of the games before the, this last week. He'd only caught three balls the previous several weeks. I know he's had some injuries, but sometimes, like we talked about, Paul, these guys are getting these big deals. Or when it's a contract year, they play big, and then you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't get anything else out of them for a while. But here's the difference. The difference is defensively, because last year they only gave up 19 points per game. This year they're giving up darn near 27 points a game, 26.9 points per game. So that's the difference. That's the difference. The defense. Was played very well last season. This season, it's, it's been a struggle, and it's surprising because I thought the defense would take the next step and continue to play the way they played a year ago other, under Rob Ryan. Also, and, and, and how many sacks do they have this year? They have no good pressure on the quarterback. They can't run man. Or if you're not putting no pressure on the quarterback, if they run the zone, they're going to pick them apart. I mean, they're guaranteeing them in the run game so the coach can call everything he wants to call, but. You know, I mean, he had to he had to go and put some guys in on practice squad, the guys who weren't even playing uh, in the game to get something out of them because you know they're not making a lot of money and they're hungry. So, I mean, you can you can only do so much. I mean, the guys have to execute what the, what the coordinators call them too. I mean, you can't blame everything on the coach. Now, I mean, as to see, obviously looking at the Saints and obviously they're going to be home for the playoffs. How shocked are you? Are you shocked? I'm shocked. I'm shocked for the fact of, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the the way the season went with the division. I'm very shocked of the Saints under Sean Payton and Drew Brees era to lose five straight games at home. I mean, you, you couldn't have told me the way they were blowing everybody out that came in the dome the last for the last four or five years since 2006. If you look at the look at the numbers before this year and see how many home games they've lost since Sean Payton has been there, uh, Paul, since he got there in '06. You know, when they started really playing well, I mean, I know they've never won five, lost five in a row at home. I don't know how many they've lost at home over the since Sean Payton's been there, but I wouldn't think it was more than two or three games. I mean, I, I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, five losses at home. I mean, one thing you can guarantee with the Saints, they may not play well on the on the road, but when they're in that in that dome, they're a totally different team and they play well. But this season, there was no home field advantage for the New Orleans Saints, and it, it, it's it's crazy. I mean, they're going to be home. Last season they had 31 sacks, 31 sacks in 2013. Look at this season, 2014, with one game left to play for the New Orleans Saints. This team, I mean, they're, they're around the same number. I believe it was 31. They're around 31 this year. So, I mean, you look at it, there are 31 with one game to play. So sacks are pretty much around the same. Sacks are pretty much around the same. It's just defensively you've given up so many points. And by giving up so many points, you, your team obviously – How many rushing yards did they give up last year compared to this year? Let's look at the rushing yards from this season to last season when we were talking about – the New York, uh, New Orleans Saints. Look at, let's look at 2013. Oh, let me let me fix that up. Let's get 2013 up. Let's look at 2014. We'll look at 2014, and then we'll go to 2013 when it comes to the Saints against the Rush. And, and it's like you said, it, it's, it's so surprising to see this team that played so well defensively last season. They played so well, and then it's just for whatever reason. But let's look at rushing defense when it comes to the Saints. 2014, 
this Saints team against the Rush. Where are they at? New Orleans Saints. New Orleans Saints. Uh, average 129 yards per game in 2014. Teams averaged 129 yards per game on the ground against the New Orleans Saints in 2014. 2013, when it comes to the New Orleans Saints against the run, this team was much better. 18 yards less, 111 yards per game on the ground. So that's an issue, too. Bottom line, it didn't stop anybody. You don't stop anybody, you can't win in this league. Or it becomes very difficult, as we've seen with the New Orleans Saints. You still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, okay. So, obviously the Saints are going to be home. And when it comes to the NFC South now, it's going to come down to the Carolina Panthers and the Atlanta Falcons. I believe you had the Falcons. Did you have the Falcons win in the uh, NFC South this year? Yeah, I had them winning. I think I had them winning in two weeks. I, I think you I did too. The were win. I think you. Did. I think you did have the. You you were you spoke highly of the Falcons coming into the season, but it's coming down to the Panthers and the Falcons. Falcons, obviously, their team. Julio Jones yeah, playing for big we, time. We both said we thought the Saints would win. Oh, for sure, for sure. I, I didn't think it would. The Saints would be in this position. I didn't think the Saints would be home. But it's it's Panthers, Falcons, and Atlanta. Do you think Atlanta gets it done? Um, that's going to be a good ball game. That's going to be a good one. Uh, that's a tough call. Um, Julio played last week. I know he's worked. Was hurt some. Uh, Rodney White isn't doing a whole lot. I think Carolina. I'm leaning towards Carolina on that one. You like Carolina in at the Georgia Dome on Sunday? At the Georgia Dome. At the Georgia Dome. Okay. So you you like the Carolina Panthers at the Dome? Panthers have Cam Newton back. Cam Newton played decently last week against the Browns. He's back. So we'll see what the Carolina Panthers do against the Atlanta Falcons. We're talking Hall of Famer Willie Rofe. Willie, let, let me ask you this: We look at the Seattle Seahawks now, and this is a team defensively they're playing well. Russell Wilson making the plays with his feet, with his arms. Beast mode, Marshawn Lynch throwing people around, making plays on the ground. The Seattle Seahawks, is it there there to lose at this point? Because more than likely they're going to get home field advantage throughout the playoffs. I mean, it's playoff time, and they're playing playoff time basketball. I mean, they're turning it up a notch. And, you know, when you've been to the Super Bowl and in the playoffs every year, and, you know, guys getting the law during the season, it's hard to keep that. Intensity, so I mean they're playing like they wanted wanted real bad. But um, I like them, but but I, I really like those Cowboys and the Cowboys. You know, beat them at home early this year, and uh, I would I would love to see them the Cowboys again in the NFC Championship game. But those I mean those Cowboys look are hungry too, so uh, it's going to be very good. I think the Cowboys have a chance to have home field after the bye or the bye week, and maybe home field in the first round after the bye. So. Uh, a small chance, but it's going to be tough for anybody to beat Seattle up in Seattle, and uh, the Cowboys have done it before, so that would be, that'd be an outstanding football game. But it is and Seattle to lose. Russell Wilson, uh, has, has, if Aaron Brooks is, is, is the MVP, then Russell Wilson is right there, right behind him with the weight, 
with the leadership, the way he plays, the way he can do to with his arm and his feet, and the way he knows how to knows how to pick his poison and when to use his feet. That's what makes him so dangerous. He doesn't do it a lot, but he's very effective doing it. And he's got to run it back out of the backfield when he takes off on it. Sure. So the way they the way they played again this year, the way that defense has stepped up here lately, and uh, and and the team they have. I mean, they they've got it seems like they've got the right chemistry, the right organization, the right organization, and they've gotten uh, Marshawn on track. I know he was just kind of was just kind of hurt in the year, but he's picked it up again. So uh, I mean, they're going to be tough to beat them. I really like the way the Cowboys are playing. I mean, the Cowboys are playing about as good as football as anybody. And I think um, the kids only need 27 yards to break in this record. And I think uh, 21 more has a chance to break the single-season passing record as well. Now, you, you talked about Russell Wilson. And, you know, obviously Aaron Rodgers is going to get the MVP. But Russell Wilson is right there. And, and he's only 158 yards from having 1,000 yards on the ground. So he's going to have he's going to definitely have over three thousand yards, over three thousand yards in terms of passing. But there's a possibility that he can go over a thousand yards on the ground. Obviously, he would need 158 yards, and that's not going to be uh, easy for a quarterback to do. But I mean, who, 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 who's the last guy to do that with? Randall Cunningham? Randall never got a thousand. Randall got nine forty-two. Michael Vick went over a thousand. But he didn't have three thousand passing, though, did he? Michael Vick? No, no, no. He didn't, he didn't have 3,000. Uh, yeah, but for a quarterback to throw for 3,000 and 1,000 money, has that ever been done? No, it has not, not been done. Never been done. Not been done. So there's a possibility it could be done by Russell Wilson, but we'll see. I mean, I don't think he'll get 1,000. Not out of the realm of possibility, but I don't see it happen. But So you talk about the type of season, and we forget about – the funny thing is we forget about Russell Wilson. We, we always talk about that defense. We always talk about Marshawn Lynch and what he does on the ground, but we forget about Russell Wilson and, and the type of things that he can do. He can do a lot, and we forget about it. We, we tend to forget about it, but the man has had a stellar season, and Seattle, they're right there, and I don't think anybody can beat the Seattle Seahawks. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they lose, but I don't see anybody beating them. Let me ask you this, Willie, now. The, well, the, Cow- the Cowboys already beat them, though. That was the regular season, and at that okay. point in time, the, the, the Seahawks weren't playing the type of football they're playing now. I, I think it would be a totally different story uh, next time around if it happens because of the type of football that the Seahawks are playing right now. I mean, defensively, they're they're shutting teams down. I mean, they're shutting teams down right now, and and they're they they're pretty much picking off where they left off last season. So they're shutting teams down, playing big time defense, and and I can see I expect it to happen throughout the course of these playoffs. I don't see anybody beating them, but we'll see. Let me ask you this. Detroit and uh, Green Bay, for the NFC North title in Green Bay, who wins it? Green Bay. I agree. I agree. I don't don't see Detroit going into Lambeau and beating the Green Bay Packers. They're going to have to score some points in Detroit. I think think it's going to be a competitive game. I just don't think they can – in that weather, on that field, you know, when you take a dome team and put them outdoors in those conditions, the way they, the way they fall, the way they, you know, the way they, the way they, the way they slide and get used to the field, it's just a different terrain. So they're gonna have, it's gonna take them a little while just to get adjusted to playing outdoors in those elements. So, you know, by that time, Green Bay might be only be up only about fourteen. And the the other division 
the AFC North, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, in Pittsburgh, Sunday Night Football, who wins? In Pittsburgh? In Pittsburgh. Ooh. Cincinnati playing some good football. I like the way Cincinnati can run the ball. Uh, the, the key to that game is, like you said, going to be defensively. And uh, whose defense can take over? Big Ben has weapons on offense, but sometimes that line has looked shaky. Well, it's going to be hard to be Pittsburgh at home. We'll see. I mean, it should be interesting. Can't wait to see how this whole thing plays out and can't wait to see how these playoffs play out. Willie, Christmas is coming up, man. Got anything special going on? No, man, we're looking forward to moving. Uh, uh, we got the Sugar Bowl deal to go back down to New Orleans out there and get to see the, uh, the Alabama-Ohio uh, State game. So looking forward to the Sugar Bowl and spending time with the kids. And uh, me and the wife will be moving for the, hopefully the last time. And uh, that's about it, man. And uh, just looking forward to spending time with the kids and and uh, moving moving closer closer to the water. For sure, it's never a bad thing moving close to where, unless you can't swim. So uh, hopefully you can swim. Well, I, I don't think I'll be getting in it, but I'll be looking at it. It's just it's a little too cold to get in it anyway. For sure, for sure. Willie, pleasure having you, man. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas, you too. Take care. Hall of Famer, Willie Rofe, and, and we'll see what happens this weekend in the National Football League. A lot of interesting things that may happen. But more than likely, as I said earlier in the show, as I laid it out for you earlier in the show, more than likely it's going to be in the NFC, Seattle number one, either Green Bay or, or Detroit at number two, Dallas at three, either Carolina or Atlanta at four, and Arizona at five. That's the way it's probably going to play out in the NFC and the AFC, the way it's probably going to play out. New England won. Obviously, that's already taken care of. Denver is probably going to get two. It's either going to be Cincinnati or Pittsburgh at three. Indy's already at four. It's going to come down, I think, to either San Diego or Baltimore in terms of that sixth and final wild card spot in the AFC. Should be interesting. Can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait. Let's switch gears now. Let's go to Peyton Manning. And and Peyton Manning, last night, a lot of flutter balls. I mean, interceptions here, interceptions there. I mean, you know, four interceptions. You can't have that from Peyton Manning. You can't have that from your quarterback, period, whether it's Peyton Manning, Mark Sanchez, or anybody. You can't throw four interceptions in a game that you need. You needed that game. That can't happen. But you look at Peyton Manning now, and you look at the Denver Broncos, and here's my concern. Here's my concern. I know Peyton, there's talk that he's battling some injuries. But here's my concern. You look at the Denver Broncos, you look at Peyton Manning, this is his third year now with the Denver Broncos. And here's the thing, and I talked about this with the San Francisco 49ers. Three times. First year, Alex Smith couple fumbles by Kyle Williams, they lose in the NFC title game. Next year is Colin Kaepernick. They go to the NFC championship game. I mean, excuse me, they go to the Super Bowl. They lose to the Ravens, heartbreaking fashion. They had an opportunity there at the goal line. They lose. And then the third year, Richard Sherman taps the ball to Malcolm Smith, picked off, and the Seahawks go to the Super Bowl. Three straight times 
Fourth year, they don't even make the playoffs. I look at the Denver Broncos. I look at the Broncos now, and I look at this particular football team with Peyton Manning. You can't waste the type of numbers Peyton Manning has put up over the past few seasons. You just can't waste them. You can't waste them. And you look at the Broncos over the past three seasons in the Peyton Manning era in Denver. The first year, 37 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Guess what? A solid season, a very good season. Not a solid season, a great season. And Peyton Manning and his Broncos lose to the Baltimore Ravens at home. You give up that incredible play, and you lose in that particular game. In a game that you had two special teams touchdowns, you lose. The following year, you get 55 touchdowns. You get a historic season out of Peyton Manning. 55 touchdowns. Over 5,000 yards. And you go to the Super Bowl, and you get beat down, beat up by the Seattle Seahawks. Now, this season, Peyton Manning, another great season. Probably is going to finish with over 40 touchdowns this season. That is at 39 at this point in time. You look at Peyton Manning. At some point, you're going to have to break through. And I say, and I said it all the time, their best opportunity to break through was 2012, Peyton Manning's first season with the Broncos. When defensively they were pretty good, and offensively they had it going as well. They did everything they needed to do against the Baltimore Ravens except for finish. They didn't finish. But you look at Peyton Manning. As he's about to go into the playoffs, he's not playing very well. The last four weeks, five touchdowns to six interceptions, including four last night. You can't have that from Peyton Manning. You can't have it. And the bottom line is this. The Broncos, Peyton Manning, 38 years old, and at some point, I mean, the arm – you see some flutter balls out of Peyton Manning. At some point, he's going to get old. He's going to get old. And now, and what I mean by old, he is old, but is he's going to start to show it on the field that he's old. So you got to win it. you got to win it because at some point, you're going to have to think about a quarterback. And here's the thing in the National Football League. When you have a quarterback – you always have a chance. You always have a chance. When you have an Aaron Rodgers, you always have a chance. When you have a Tom Brady, you always have a chance. When you have a Peyton Manning, you always have a chance. The point I'm trying to make is this. In the National Football League, when you have a franchise guy, it's a lot easier to build your situation up. It's a lot easier to win in the National Football League when you have that guy. When you don't, it becomes harder. Philadelphia Eagles, Mark Sanchez, Nick Foles, you don't have a franchise guy there. So it's going to be harder for you to build up that particular situation because you don't have a franchise quarterback. So the bottom line is this. Peyton Manning, struggling right now, looked awful yesterday. But the Denver Broncos are going to have to get it done now. This is the year. They're going to have to get it done. I don't think it's going to happen, but this is the year. they got to get it done. It's not going to happen, I don't think. 
And I said that going into the season is not going to happen. You wasted 55 and 10. You wasted that. You wasted that season. You can't waste those type of seasons. Look at the 98 Vikings. The 98 Vikings, you know, the numbers, the crazy numbers they put up. And the Chris Carters and the Randy Malls and Randall Cunningham and Robert Smith. That offense put up some serious numbers in 1998. But guess what? They didn't make the plays in the championship game against the Atlanta Falcons. They were 15-1. You can't let those type of seasons go to waste. They were 15-1 in 1998. Offense was incredible. Defense was suspect, but the offense was incredible. And you had that game. Your, your kicker, Gary Anderson, was perfect. Perfect throughout the whole season. And he misses a chip shot in the NFC title game. He misses a chip shot. And the Minnesota Vikings, that was it. That was their opportunity. It didn't happen. 2012, I believe, was the opportunity for the Denver Broncos. I say it all the time. That was their opportunity. That was their best opportunity, I feel, to win a Super Bowl. It didn't happen because of Baltimore Ravens and Joe Flacco, but also because of Peyton Manning, who threw that interception in overtime. So we'll see moving forward. But it doesn't. I don't think the Broncos will get to the Super Bowl. I don't. They had their opportunity. They blew it. Let's go to the NBA now. Josh Smith. Josh Smith. And when I think of Josh Smith, I think of Jay Cutler. Josh Smith, for as much talent as he has, it just, for whatever reason, doesn't seem to, to work right. I don't know why. Let's take a caller. Hello, you're on Go For It. Hello, sir. I was listening to your show. I'm, I'm calling from sunny Scotland. <clears throat> How are you? How are you? Yes, I am fine. What about yourself? Great, great, great. What do you want to talk uh, about? I want to talk about sports in general, uh, if that's okay with yourself. Um, now, uh, over in Scotland, there's a lot of soccer that's played. And uh, I think a lot of sports are a lot of shit, if you know what I'm saying. And I knew that was happening. I just let it go, see what he would say, what he said, what I thought he was going to say. But anyway, Josh Smith. When I think of Josh Smith, I think of Jay Cutler. And, you know, Jay Cutler, for, for all the talent, for all the ability that he has, he just can't get right. There are times where Jay Cutler makes a, 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 a great throw, and you're like, wow, this guy is special. This guy is amazing. Why is he not better? And there are, then there are times when he throws interceptions, maddening throws, like why did he throw that ball? Why did he do this? Why did he do that? And then I look at Josh Smith, and when I look at Josh Smith, I see the same type of things. The guy has tremendous talent. The guy has, uh, he could jump out of the building. The guy can do so much, super athletic, get up and down the court, has so much ability, can defend, can block shots. But he takes bad shots. Takes too many three-point shots. Get off the three-point line, Josh Smith. Get off that line. And he stays on that three-point line. And so you look at Detroit, it was a bad fit. 
Josh Smith trying to play the three, he's not a three. He's a four. He's like Thaddeus Young. A better version, but he's like Thaddeus Young. He's a three. He's not a four. And so when you put him at three, you pretty much play him out of position. You play him out of position, but you really had no choice. It was a bad signing, considering you have Andre Drummond, considering you have Greg Monroe. It's a bad signing. Doesn't make sense when you have Drummond and when you have Monroe. Because you're forcing him to play the three, a spot that he's not, a spot he shouldn't be playing. A spot that he's not equipped to play. A spot where his best, his best, his best, when he's at his best, he's at the four. He's at the four. But, you know, obviously they cut him. <coughs> excuse me, they still owe him two million. Two, excuse me, they still owe two years, $26 million. But obviously they feel like this guy didn't fit what they did and what they're trying to do. We'll see where it goes. I mean, there are teams who could. I mean, Miami has said to be reached, is reaching out to Josh Smith. Houston, Dwight Howard, and Josh Smith are close, have a friendship. They're reaching out. The Mavericks are interested. Teams are interested. And with the type of talent that Josh Smith has, why would you not? Be interested. But also, with that being said, if you bring in a Josh Smith, does it affect chem- what you do chemistry-wise? chemistry, chemistry wise? If you're Dallas, do you want to bring that in to your situation? If you're Houston, do you want to bring that in to your situation? Is he a guy that you want to bring into your situation? Is he worth it? Those are questions that teams have to answer. <clears throat> But he's a talent. <clears throat> he's a heck of a talent. He, he he can do some things. And being that he can do some things, being that he is a heck of a talent, teams need to to do something. I mean, teams who are close need to think about whether or not he can help them. And we'll see. We'll see. But you wonder what's going to happen to Josh Smith. And who's going to land Josh Smith? But at the same time, Josh Smith, I remember, I think it was against the Celtics. And, and this was against the, in the playoff two, two years back. And I'm watching the game, and I tweeted this. I tweeted, I don't I remember the tweet off the top of my head, but Josh Smith did a few great things. And then he just took an awful, I think it was an awful three-point shot he took. And you're just saying, for all the great that he does and gives, you have these moments that make you say, I can't trust this guy. I can't give this guy any type of big-time money because these things happen. Stupid things happen. And Josh Smith, for all the great, for the great talent that he is, he tends to do stupid things. And he did stupid things throughout the course of his career, has played stupid throughout the course of his career. And Jay Cutler, similar, no matter how much talent he has, no matter how much ability he has, no matter how long and how hard he could throw the football, there's just something missing. And he seems to be, he is who he is. And in some respect, Josh Smith is who he is. I mean, and so 
he's on the market, and we'll see what team he goes to. Obviously, I think if you're Josh Smith, you're probably looking for a situation that will help you win. I mean, 10 years in the league, and same with uh, uh, Jay Cutler. So they're same. They're pretty much the same in terms of years of service in their, in their particular profession, their particular leagues, their particular sport. But at the end of the day, you have to say that those guys are. I want to thank Willie Rowe for stopping by. I also want to thank Darren Walls for stopping by. You can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pgan where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at GoForItGant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. Make sure you hit us up on YouTube, youtube.com slash user slash GoForItGant. As we head into Christmas, head into the holiday season, we're done to after the new year. Going to have a best of show probably next week. But in terms of we're done for the year, done for 2014. 2014 has been a tremendous year for Go Forward on Blog Talk Radio. Hopefully we can do what we did in 2014 better in 2015. Hopefully we can bring it like we brought it in 2014 and 2015. Hopefully we can continue to bring some big gas and give you some big-time sports talk. And ultimately, at the end of the day, we're all about talking sports and having fun doing it. That's what we do here on Go Forward, blogtalkradio.com, slash pgant, where we talk sports and where we have fun doing it. So make sure you check us out in the year 2015. Check us out there and make sure you support all the great things going on. We'll go for it. Let me, uh, before we get out of here, Alden Smith. Um, well, Ray McDonald, as we know, he was, you know, he had the incident earlier in the season with the domestic violence, and you know, ultimately he had some issues. A woman accused him of sexual assault. 49ers had enough. They got rid of him. But apparently Alden Smith was there. And this is a guy who's had numerous issues in terms of alcohol. And, you know, he had DUI. And, and so – he apparently was there, and apparently, according to reports, he had a drink. But now his agent, the agent for Alden Smith, is coming out and denying that. He said, his agent said, well, Alden Smith said, as far as it goes, quote, as far as it's concerned, excuse me, I was over at Ray's house for close to an hour. I didn't drink one thing. As far as it goes, relating to that, I have nothing else to say. It's not my issue or my problem. Let's hope that's the case. Let's hope that's the case. But, you know, judging by what's going on with Ray McDonald and judging by with some of the things going on with Alden Smith, Alden Smith probably needs to do a better job of picking his friends and, you know, hanging out with, with, with upstanding, respectable people. He probably needs to do a better job with that because he's not doing it. He's not hanging out. What upstanding, I'm not, you know, I don't want to call Ray McDonald not a good guy, but Ray McDonald has got himself wrapped up in certain issues. Alden Smith needs to get himself clean in terms of the people he hangs around, in terms of his activity and his behavior. you got to get it right, man. You're losing money because of this. You're losing money because you're of inab- your inability to get right. You're losing money. So hopefully... For him, Alden Smith in 2015, as he goes into the new year, 
that he thinks about hanging out with better people, that he thinks about doing better things. He needs to find a hobby. That's what he needs to do. He needs to find a hobby. Hopefully, hopefully he can do that. Hopefully he can do that. We shall see. But hopefully for his sake, he didn't have any alcohol, and hopefully for his sake it won't lead to any type of issues. Manti Teo, he says, find a new joke. And this was, you know, we had a tweet. Uh, Anthony Davis from the 49ers tweeted out, I asked Manti Teo about his imaginary, imaginary girlfriend last night, and he snapped. La, laugh out loud. I thought that was hilarious. I mean, I guess at this point he doesn't find it hilarious, but it is pretty funny. And Teo said, quote, I got harassed a few times last year. I expected that, but this year I told him to find a new joke. I don't think people are going to find a new joke. There's not a new joke to find. Man, Teo, I mean, that's the, the, the biggest joke of them all. You and an imaginary girlfriend, that whole story, that sordid situation. And uh, I don't know what to make of that one. I mean, that's a crazy story. But maybe they do need, they do need to find new material. Who knows? But I guess the man says it gets old. And I'm sure it does for him. But it may not get old for others. It may not get old for others. Jim Harbaugh, as we go around, as we have five minutes left in the show, Jim Harbaugh, well, Michigan tweeted out, happy birthday, Jim, with a picture of Jim Harbaugh in his Michigan uniform with happy birthday on the screen, on the picture. Michigan officials, according to the GM of the 49ers, have contacted Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh, according to, uh, well, there, there's an offer. There's a, a reported offer of six years, $48 million. That's $8 million a year. That's a lot of coin to turn down. question is, does Jim Harbaugh want to go back to college? Does he want to stay in the National Football League? Or does he want to go back to college? We shall see. We shall see. We shall see. Excuse me. And before we get out of here, we have the situation with Brennan Clay, former running back for Oklahoma, tweeted out last, was it last, was it about last month, that DeMarco Murray was sleeping with his wife. And he claimed that DeMarco Murray and his wife had an affair. And, you know, Clay, you know, Clay was talking about getting divorced, leaving her, this, that, and what have you. And now he tweets out on December 23rd, today, at 5 o'clock, 4.58 to be exact, jumped to conclusion that wasn't true, can't judge a situation without knowing all the facts, I apologize. Everyone deserves a second chance, including myself. See, the problem is, you were so reckless with your Twitter, and you're putting out all this stuff on your Twitter page, and now you're talking about taking her back. You are you are the one that looks crazy. You look crazy because now you're talking about taking her back when you put her on blast. Now you want to take her back. Now you look stupid. Now you look crazy. 
Because you put that stuff out there. Not DeMarco Murray. Not your wife. Not me. Not no one else. You put that out there. So now you're backtracking. Everybody deserves a second chance. Jumping to conclusions. Can't judge the situation without knowing all the facts. I apologize. So on and so forth. We didn't put it out there. You did. Now you look stupid. Here is my thought and my take from that. And here's what you can do moving forward. When you have issues in your relationship, keep it in your relationship. Don't give in and tell me or anybody else on your Twitter page. Keep it in within your relationship and figure it out. Because you put it out in the public, you look stupid. You can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pecan, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at GoForItGant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. Hit us up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash user slash GoForItGant. For everybody here at GoFort, we hope you have a Merry Christmas. We hope you have a Happy New Year, safe and Happy New Year, and a safe Christmas, and may all your dreams come true. See you later. Take care. Bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.